0: Hello and welcome to Story Untold. I'm Martin Bauman and today I'm glad to welcome one of the most prolific adventure photographers in the world today. Chris Burkhardt is an explorer, photographer, creative director, speaker, filmmaker and author from Pismo Beach, California. He's been on the TED stage and traveled all around the world sharing incredible photos. He's become... One of the most prominent names on social media in his field, with over 3 million Instagram followers. But it's his story that sticks with you above all. He didn't have a lot growing up. He's self-taught. And his story of drive and determination to get to where he is today is pretty special. Here's his story. Uh, Chris, I don't know how you do it, but day after day, all I ever see from you is just... Incredible shot after incredible shot. I want to know, when was the last time you took a picture and, like, your thumb got in the way or your tripod shadow got in the shot? When was the last human moment? (laughs) Oh, that's funny.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, for me, life is full of imperfections. I mean, geez, it's like I just got back from a trip to Utah and um, my car broke down like five times. And... Got stuck, you know, driving back from Flagstaff. I was on the side of the road. Like, I just spent thousands of dollars fixing it. broke down again. I mean, it was a total chaos nightmare. Mm. I mean, that's, and that's the truth of the matter is like, you know, our world is full of, um, at least our world socially is full of the perception that everything's good and everything's fine and and this and that, you know, and and the the reality is it's not. No, I mean, there's trips I come back and I, I just, I feel, you know, heinously sick or, you know, I come back with some, you know, rash, or I've got uh, parasites. I mean, this is just the reality of like, of of being on the road for as much as I am. And and although there's some incredibly uplifting, beautiful, amazing moments, there's also some incredibly, like, harsh and gnarly moments as well. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's that's just the truth of the matter. Is that um, it's always a bit of a struggle, and it's always um, it's always a bit challenging, you know.
0: Well, hopefully the good ones outweigh the bad ones in time or yep. with uh, perspective. Yeah, uh, you have been all over the place. Uh, how many passports have you been through by now?
1: Um, shoot, I've only been through one passport. I mean, like you can always add pages to those things. So I've got one that's <laughs> super thick and uh, and really big, and then I've got one uh, that's newer that I actually just got because um, I've I've you know I've been doing this for about a decade. And I have one that's a little bit newer. and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think about how many stamps are are in that thing,
0: yeah. does it does it get old to you, just being in new places constantly or or being in transit all the time?
1: Um you know what it, I, I think the reality, like with anything, is it all depends on what you're doing and where you're going. Hmm. you know, and and ultimately, like, Are you inspired by by what you're doing you know is is what you're photographing is the story that you're telling maybe more importantly is that interesting to you you know and so i um i guess i always try to challenge people to think about you know this is this is really the thing that gets me the most willing to to really submit every part of myself to the job is am i inspired am i excited about what i'm doing am i excited about what i'm seeing like and that's that's I think the approach that you have to take from away from it you know is is looking at what you're doing and asking yourself is this something where I'm going to be willing to just give every part of myself mm. um, because I think that's what this job that's what this job asks of you yeah <laughs> you know whether whether you want it to or not this job asks asks a lot of you and at times it's maybe easier to accept and at other times it's it's not so. Yeah.
0: So to be inspired is your benchmark, rather than to say, is this location gonna sell me this many prints or or get me this much exposure? It's, it's something else. Right.
1: Well, I mean, if, if that was the case, I'd just be going back to the same five or six places. You know, it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't be there wouldn't be anything special or unique about it. And that's just the truth of the matter. Is like I I aim to like go to locations that I'm uh, that inspire me, that make me excited, make me want to share a story. And I think, like you said, when you when you get into those situations. You realize that that's, I think, where the best version of yourself is going to come about.
0: Hmm. I want to go back to your hometown for a moment to get a to get a perspective of a, a bit of where you come from, Pismo Beach, California. Of course, naturally, anytime you want to research somebody, you you do what everybody does: you go to Wikipedia. And uh, clam capital of the world is what I find first thing about Pismo Beach. Does it live up to the reputation?
1: I've never seen a clam in Pismo Beach in my entire (laughs) life. Um, But at a certain point, yeah, it was. Um, And, uh, you know, the reality is, yeah, it's a small town. I grew up in a tiny little town. And as fun and cool as that was, it was also incredibly frustrating to kind of be like feeling like I wanted to get out and see the world. Hmm. Um, But at the same time, knowing that like I was kind of stuck and it was a little challenging and it was a little – It was not belittling, but it was a little like brutal for a kid my age to just who wanted so badly to see so much of the world to uh, to go and and just be kind of in some way like feel like, oh, I just your wind is taken from your sails. You know, you don't feel inspired. You don't feel motivated. And that was a really big challenge for me. And that's really one of the reasons I decided to make to transition photography from being just fun Mm -hmm. to like going out and, and making it a job.
0: Yeah. Do, do most people uh, that you would have grown up with, do they stay in Pismo Beach or do most people get out and go somewhere else? What, what kind of demographic well, was, is it?
1: It's a lot of people stay in Pismo Beach. You know, yeah. that's kind of the thing is like a lot of people who live here, um, it was, you know, at least growing up, you know, you, there's not a lot of folks who are kind of going out and, and making... I think something of themselves and, and that's not, not a bad thing. I mean, like I think living here is amazing. I live here. I stay right. here, obviously. Right. But when I started to travel, I wanted nothing more than to leave this small town. And I went around the whole world and I saw the world and I, re- I came back to realize like, well, well, maybe these people are a lot smarter than I thought
0: because hmm. they decided not to leave. And this is exactly where I want to come back to. Sometimes it takes going around the world to find out that home isn't so bad after all or, or home has something special to it after all.
1: Agreed. <laughs> Agreed for sure.
0: Uh, your grandfather had a big influence on you growing up. How did he influence you in falling in love with photography?
1: Um, well, it, you know, it wasn't so much that he uh, he influenced me into falling in love with photography so much as he influenced me into uh, into just the the, the idea that um, that wildness was a necessity and nature. Was a necessity, and I I got really just excited about that, and um, and I got really stoked on this whole on what was out there, you know. Because the thing is that I, like I said, growing up you know, growing up in a small town. The best thing you could ever do for a kid is to basically make him realize that your world is not as small as you think. And mm-hmm. when he took me to my first national parks, he made my world so much bigger. I mean. I had never been outside of California, and I think I was like eight or nine, you know, from an experience I really remembered. And I remember yeah. these long road trips with him, and I was just like blown away. I was, I was, it was like a, too much to really take in, you know, that I would, I was in Colorado, and I was in Utah, and I was in Arizona, and I was looking into the chasm of these deep canyons, and I was just trying to really take it all in. And that was, I mean, for a kid that age, it, there's nothing that could be more valuable, especially when you didn't have a dad growing up to take you to those places. And so I felt really, really lucky, you know, to um, I felt really lucky to have those experiences and and um, and to have somebody who cared enough to show me. And I guess that's that's been a real a real value
0: in my life. Sure. Um, yeah. When then did the camera come into play for you?
1: Probably about 19, I became uh, just really really enamored by the the concept of documenting my friends out in the water shooting and surfing and i was surfing myself and Uh a lot and i was just like i wanted to be the person who was coming back with pictures to share and it was just fun it was like a fun thing i did a lot of art in high school and it was um it was basically like i had my place you know in the sort of gang you know what i mean right um and that was really um that was really I think where I felt the most like inspired was being within this group of friends and feeling like you know I was the photographer and and I don't know it just it just felt really good and it kind of transitioned at that point into realizing that you know when I'd go back to my day job of being a mechanic that like this is not I don't want to I don't want to be filled to my elbows with grease Mm -hmm. you know I want to be out like I want to find a way to stay out and play and be in the ocean and stuff like that and my first kind of passion for photography was really landscapes. And, um, and that was kind of what I pursued in many ways. And I guess that was really the, the the tipping point for me. It was like, I'm sitting in college, you know, I'm going to school. I'm realizing that I'm probably going to end up being a mechanic, you know, somewhere, because that was, that was kind of the career path I had chosen. And I stopped and I was like, well, no, I don't want to do this. I want to, I want to be I want to be sought after for my creativity and what I can bring to the world, the vision that I have. And I decided to quit my job. I decided to quit school and I pursued photography.
0: So this is 19 years old. How far are you down the line on that path towards being a mechanic? And, and at the same time, what are you hearing from friends or family as you have these dreams in the back of your head about, you know, really breaking away and pursuing photography as well, meaning as those things might have been that your family and friends are saying, Uh, tell me about the kind of the clash and the tug of war that must've gone on as you're thinking about what you want to be doing, but hearing maybe the pragmatic thing to be doing at that moment.
1: Well, let me just be honest with you. You know, I was the first person in my family to have an opportunity to go to college and they received scholarships. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was kind of set up to be, you know, the first available, the the first, uh, person to get a degree and um, that was a really big deal you know I didn't come from um, money so to say um, mm-hmm. life was always a bit you know of a, of a struggle for us and um, and I think that um, I think I was just blown away at what my my mom my dad did to kind of make um, to make ends meet and I and I really wanted to make them happy yeah I really wanted to please them and you know, I, as soon as I kind of realized that this, this wasn't going to go the way they wanted, I I felt a lot of pressure to kind of go to school and to pursue a career and to, to fulfill all these things that, you know, I knew my mom wanted me to fulfill. And so that was a real struggle for me. It wasn't that they weren't supportive. It was just that they were really worried and they were really concerned and they were sure. really fearful that this was going to, uh, this was going to just turn out bad for me.
0: Right. Uh,
1: And so, you know, every, I think every, every person, every child, every, you know, whatever, you know, adult, you know, comes to a point where they kind of have to weave their own path and they have to sort of do their own thing. And that was sort of my, that was my moment, you know, to kind of define this is, this is where the difference comes in from your parents to yourself. so.
0: Was there a, a moment where you take a stand and you know you quit a job or you quit the program? You're making some impassioned speech, or uh, or was it more? No, it
1: was kind of just like a lot. Uh, it was just like a lot of long kind of arguments and and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. That was, um, you know, yeah. It was just kind of a. It was it was a really stressful time and um, and a really hard thing to kind of like realize like I'm letting them down. That was not fun. Mm
0: it's tough i'm sure at that age they they want you to be safe and they want you to be secure and, and you know they mean well but but it's it's hard to uh to reconcile that with what you want to do and live off of and keeps you uh keeps you going you know i think in any field involving freelance work or creative work it has to start with uh, some initiative somewhere you know you don't get called by national geographic the day after you take your first picture, <laughs> as nice as that might be. right? Um, you've written before about how the, the first assignments that you ever had were the ones that you gave to yourself. Uh, right. Tell me about that, about those first assignments, what you were doing to start pursuing what you, uh, what you love.
1: Well, I don't think that really came in the very impetus of my career. It wasn't so much in the very beginning that I was doing that. I think what happened was when I started working in the field and photographing a lot and kind of making, I guess – like making a name for myself and whatnot. I realized that I wanted to elevate my mm. career. I wanted to move forward. And um it's so so I guess the the reality is like I wanted to shoot, you know, more than just surfing. I wanted to shoot, you know, automotive and I wanted to go shoot, you know, these and this and that type of projects, you know, whatever your aerial photography for example. Well, yeah. nobody's going to hire you to like go shoot aerials if they've if you've never shot them before. Right? And so nowadays I would consider myself one of the one of those people sought after the most for that mm-hmm. type of work cuz I shoot a lot of it. And in the beginning, I think what I'm really getting at is in the beginning it's like there has to be an investment of your own time, effort, energy, money to go and do it, right? Nobody's going to basically be like, "Hey, t- we're going to hire you out of out of the blue." So taking the time, taking the money, taking the energy to go and shoot that work for yourself is is critical and i just think that when you look at your career and your as a as a as a business and you think about okay how do i invest in this business well that's one of the ways that you would invest that's one of the ways that you do invest and and i just i guess that's always you know paid well for me to do
0: you know you you get started by doing the surf photography with your friends how much trial and error is involved as you're starting to branch out in wanting to do, you know, aerial photography, or wanting to do landscape photography, or automotive, or anything else, you know, right. that's a whole new thing you need to learn how to do. What's that? Yeah, like?
1: and and one, I th- that's the thing, is it's trial by error. But but I think the one the one difference maybe between myself and a lot of others is like I've always tried. I knew that education, college, wasn't really an opportunity. You know, had I had the money to go to an art school, I absolutely mm-hmm. would have. But it wasn't in the cards. It just was not a reality for me at the time. So. I tried to lean on every other source of education I could, the internet, for example, an amazing, amazing tool. But I I always am a little shocked when people are like, oh, man, they're asking me questions that you could easily find online. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the very first thing you should ever do is learn to be a good researcher so that you don't have to waste anybody else's time or your own money trying to learn that stuff from somebody else i mean that's the harshest part about school is like how often do we pay someone to teach us something that we could already learn we could learn somewhere else sure you know that and so i guess that's the thing is like with when it comes to that stuff there's obviously tons of trial and error but even more so just going and trying it it's it's just a it's just a learning process
0: yeah you know there's a great story and I think this comes from uh, an interview that you did. I was listening to one a while back. I think this one was with Yoga Girl. Uh, you were telling the story of being, I think, 19 years old, running up and down the beach, taking pictures of people surfing, and then trying to sell them those pictures that you had taken of them. Uh, tell me a bit about the the, yeah, so, the drive in doing that.
1: Um, well, it's funny because we're kind of jumping back and forth in time, but um, <laughs> But basically like, yeah, when I, when I did quit my job, one of the, one of the things I had to do was, uh, because there wasn't somebody feeding me with a silver spoon was, uh, make money and, uh, and pay my bills, you know, pay, pay for gas, pay for food. Right. So when I quit my job, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to be a photographer. And I kind of looked around and I was like, well, how do I do that? And so I literally was, you know, my, my, (laughs) It's funny because I, my job that I quit was at Pismo beach and I was just mm-hmm. basically right down in the, the beach that I grew up in, right, right downtown. I was working in a magazine store. Yeah. And so I left, I left and, um, you know, went home and kind of collected myself. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I went back down to the beach. I went to the pier and I basically started taking pictures of surfers and they would come up, they would come up on the shore and I would run after them and be like, Hey, I just shot some <laughs> photographs of you. Um, do you want to you know? Do you want to buy anything for uh, you know twenty bucks on the CD or something like that? So I would just do anything that I could to basically try to make ends meet in some some way, shape, or form, right? Right. Um, so I mean, I don't think I made much money doing that at all, <laughs> yeah. um, but. I, just, I guess it just kind of illustrates like the, the the eagerness, the willingness. You know, it was basically like borderline begging, right? There's, there's not much difference between that and just begging um, on the street corner. But yeah. I was trying to do everything I could to use a camera to make a living. And that was sort of my whole thing. Is like I just wanted to be um, – suc- like I just wanted to be basically be making a living as a photographer. It didn't matter if I was shooting, you know, midget rodeos. I don't right. really care. I just wanted to do anything I could.
0: Sure it's tough being 19 you're not you're not young enough still to uh to be cute enough for people to want to give money to like a you know a six-year-old uh and you're not might, old exactly enough i kind of lost i lost them that to trust window. you yeah okay i'll try and get back in a linear path here in terms of this <laughs> no no it's fine
1: i love it i just i just it's just funny to me because i'm like trying to go back and forth
0: sure how have you noticed you know it's been a long time between now and those beginnings how have you changed in your approach to your craft and what you do? If you think about how you approach your craft now compared to when you're just getting started? Are there things that are more important to you now that weren't as important to you then or or things that you think more about now that you didn't think about? Oh, I then? mean
1: hundred percent. My my career has evolved in so many ways and the, what I look for in images, how I compose images, why I shoot images. You know, I used to just be shooting thousands of photographs. For no reason other than to try and just figure out how to learn or use the camera, and so, you know, the reality is that um, nowadays, I-, I feel like in many ways I want to tell longer stories. I look for things to shoot that are meaningful. I look for um, I also you know I've realized that I I've not gotten better technically as a photographer. I'm not someone you know. There's people out there, you included. You could probably you know. Know how to use a camera technically better than me, or know how to use flash photography. Who knows? But I think, if anything, what I've honed in on is when a moment is truly significant and when to really capitalize on that moment. Like, when to, like, okay, this is when this is something that's significant. This is not going to happen again. I'm going to shoot hundreds of frames of this, you know? Mm. Um, So, so I mean that I think that's the only difference to myself and maybe a novice is like you start to learn to tune into when something's really special and capitalize on that itself. Um, I also just I feel like I want to have more meaning behind the picture. I want to work on conservation projects and things that are a bit more meaningful to me there and and just stuff that I'm 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 super eager to uh, to see a long-term like change happen. You know I'd love to be able to use my images. To be around a lot longer than I am, and if that can inspire change in others, then that's that's honestly the best use of the camera.
0: Hmm. Are there things that you were saying yes to before assignments that you're turning down now, just for the sheer amount of work that you would have been putting in in those early years, or uh, or other things like that? Oh yeah, I
1: just I just wouldn't have asked for as much money, you know. Um, yeah, and that I, I you know back in the day, I just. Um, that's that's the hardest thing, is like, I would charge so much more. Um, it's just such a challenging thing to think about. I mean, this is a hard thing for any young creative, is like how much to ask for, what's my time worth. You yeah. know, you're dealing with some kind of self-worth issues sure. versus also just not knowing where you stand in the field. And now it is having had the support of family, friends, other good photographers out there who have kind of helped me to understand. Like, I realize how much more worthwhile my time is and what kind of service I'm providing. Mm.
0: And here's the other thing, too, is in a field like yours, you're in a profession with a lot of noise, really, for lack of a better word, like, you know, anybody who gets a, a camera. It's a good way
1: of putting it. Yeah, Anybody
0: gets a camera and they become a photographer. How does that impact the way that you work and uh, and how you, you know, value the way that you work?
1: Well, um, I think that nowadays I, I have, you know, you have to understand, like, you ever heard the, the analogy of the burners? Where like to be successful, you have to turn off one burner. To be super successful, you have to turn off two burners, mm. and those burners represent your family, your friends, your health, and work. Mm. Well, I mean, it's a reality. I feel like in many ways, I early in my life, I decided to turn off. I I don't I don't have. I mean, this is going to sound so funny, but I don't have many truly great friends relationships in my life besides my wife and a few people. And the reason being is because I didn't invest time into that. I invested mm-hmm. time into my career. I invested time into honing my career. And that's a that's a harsh thing. I mean, it's so funny to think about you have three million followers. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of really people who are close to you in your life. Right. Um and um and that's just a reality, you know. Like I I value that more now. I've tried to make take more time for myself. I try to take time for others more. And that's that's kind of a hard thing to kind of, I guess, admit in many ways. It's like I think that's what I look for. I, I value my time more now, yeah. and I value my uh, the ability to to make my own time as well. So it's just such a hard thing, you know.
0: Yeah. What yeah. was that a challenge for you to to uh, you know whether it was invitations that you'd have had to turn down from friends to get together or or things that you had to say no to to. Uh, I mean, to yeah.
1: What first? do you What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, like you know, you have to understand. I was out there living in my car you know, eating Mexican food, scraping pennies off the ground of my mat when most people are having the college experience, Mm. you know, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's like the reason that I've found maybe some success early in life is that I just gave up all that stuff. I didn't pursue any of that, you know. Mm -hmm. It was me and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and that's it, you know. This is it. So, I, I mean, I'm just like, it's just a harsh reality. Like it was never really it was never really what I envisioned or wanted it to be, you know, when I was, you know, younger. But that's kind of what happened and that's sort of what how it came to life. So yeah.
0: So you you were together back then too. She was uh she was around in those yeah,
1: I've known Bree uh for about since I was about sixteen years old. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. What what was it that got you through those lean years or the moments of doubt? when you know you are sleeping in your car and you see what the typical college experience is like or there's other times when you know that you might have had a comfier path doing something else but you're still working away on uh, making you know what you're really passionate about work
1: it's it's really easy when you're like yeah i see light at the end of the tunnel but it's not so easy when you're like i have no idea how this is going to pan out and i have no idea how how i'm going to see this through um and that's a that's a really that's a really challenging position to be in. I mean, that's the thing, is when when you know there's an ideal outcome, so much more simple. When you have no clue, um, mm. very, very hard. So
0: yeah. yeah. Or and it's I mean, it's easy to focus on the potential light at the end of the tunnel, but but to know if it's gonna come or not is I think a different story perhaps. To think, right. is it gonna happen to me too? Um you've had a quote before which I had written down at one time or another. You had written that anything that makes you question why you do what you do isn't just important but necessary. I think that kind of speaks a little bit to that. Right. Can you speak more to that?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think through that quote and, and under the context that I said it. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that really comes from a place of introspection, right? Mm. Um, if you get comfortable in what you're doing and it becomes second nature, that's when growth stops, right? That's when you stop learning and it be- and it becomes second nature. It becomes intuitive, right? So mm-hmm. that's not good. Like I think nowadays, I I'm 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 constantly looking for experiences where I can become a student again, where I can like question what I'm doing, learning out why I'm doing it, trying to figure it out, and and just just trying to realize like I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. In fact, I really want to actually learn how to, um, how to kind of be a student again, you know, like I said, so that ultimately, I think that that's really the key is like questioning what you're doing, why are you doing it? And ultimately, is this like, is this the best, like use of time, energy, and, and ultimately your talent? Because I think that there's a big difference between being hired because you have a camera and you can simply shoot it or you can mm-hmm. do, the, do the job or you can whatever and being hired because you are like basically the best at what you do and people want your creativity and your knowledge. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's really to me the biggest and most important thing.
0: So are they hiring you for you or for your camera? more or
1: less. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, and obviously
1: it's a little more than that, but ultimately like, you know, you want to be like sought after because you're this creative force that people are going to bring to the table and collaborate with and not just like, hey, can you shoot this? Perfect. Okay, great. You're done. You know. Right. That's not fun. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. what are the lessons that you've learned from your career? Those moments when you are a student again, the things that you kind of held on to and carry on with you.
1: Um, well, I mean, it's a perpetual process of learning. I mean, that's the beauty of it. But I think that one of the things, I think that I've, I've, I've always just tried to, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a continual thing that comes up. Is that, and this, this is another quote. <laughs> that luckily, this one's from me too. But it's, uh, it's anything that's worth pursuing is going to require us to suffer a little bit. And I, I constantly like to remind myself that, you know, if you're not having to give some part of yourself for this and you don't need unnecessary suffering at all that's totally masochistic but if it doesn't require some sacrifice if it doesn't require something of you then then it's not usually worth it and it's just like a telltale sign that maybe you need to rethink that a little bit yeah yeah i don't know it's a hard it's a hard one to say like there's so many little details that i've um you know that i've like (laughs) that i've learned over the years yeah um yeah
0: okay talking about photography and and social media. <laughs> I mean something that you become really good at is is social media and we know I think just how much social media there are sides to it. There's a good and, and can be a bad side. We know how much it can be engineered to make us addicted and want to be validated by seeking out, you know, likes. How have you dealt with that in your career since social media's rise? You know, just the the pressure of having to share on social media. How has that affected you?
1: Um, man, it's um, it makes me appreciate those times that I'm out in nature and there's not many people around me at times. Mm -hmm. That's for dang sure. Um, you know, and and, uh, there's no cell phone service and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I think that in many ways. It definitely makes me consider my actions more. Makes me consider why I'm putting work out there and how, what effect it has on people, and ultimately what I say about my work. You know, I think that social media, in many ways, you know, to kind of back to your questions, is is extremely addicting, and the need we we kind of, we the need that we create in ourselves for validation when we can get it at the top of a thumb is like. So 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 powerful. Mm -hmm. Like whenever I think about that, it makes me want to just be on it less and less. But I also know that there's so much good that comes from it. So I think it's just a matter of like anything, keeping yourself in check. Like, why am I using this? It's it's again, this is this is comes back to that one question of asking yourself why you're doing things. You know, why am I using why am I using this? Is this valuable? Is this something that is like that is a good use of time? Is it not? That's kind of like, I think the one of the things that I start to consider in my life is like, um, and it's just a hard thing to kind of think about, you know, for each person, like for some people spending 20 minutes is is too much, you know, for some people spending two hours is too much. I don't really know. I think that the key thing is you, if you question yourself and ask, why am I doing this? And what good is it having upon the world? Mm. Right? If everything we do comes back to some mission statement in our lives where the work that we do, the photos we create, the videos we create and the and what we put out there, the message is a positive one, you know, then I think it's really valuable. But I think that just kind of understanding like at what point is this just self-serving and at what point is this just really uh, something that I'm doing to receive validation.
0: Yeah. So, so if you're to boil it down, give me a short list of your pros and a short list of your cons for social media as a photographer. What are the best things that it does for you? And what does it take away from you?
1: Um, well, I guess pros would be it's a, it's an incredibly valuable tool to get your work out there. And mm-hmm. you can now share work with the entire planet with a stroke of a button. It's amazing. Right. You know, that was not even a possibility five years ago. Like, I don't think people even come to truly realize that. And it's, uh, it's just a, a reality that I've come to really appreciate and love. And the fact that, like, Fortune 500 art buyers can see your work and you can get images licensed and you can, you know – you can get the attention, garner the attention of of people who might never have seen your work in the past. How special yeah. is that? Yeah. You know? Um, and then I think that when it comes to like the cons, it's like, you know, it can be a time suck. It can be a false reality that is really something that you're comparing everything that you're doing and everything that you've done with other people. And that's really scary mm-hmm. because it kind of changes your trip to being like, I'm going to go here and explore and have this really rad, unique experience to like, I'm going to go there and just, go to these five spots, and there it leaves no room for creativity. Sure. And that's a really scary thing. It can actually be a creative killer in many ways.
0: So you're picking your spots where you know people are going to respond to it rather than just experiencing it for yourself, I suppose. But, but yeah, I know what you're getting at there. You know, I watched the film that you did Under an Arctic Sky and had a good laugh at just the brutal snowstorm that you guys are driving through in Iceland to try and capture those swells and to be the first people to surf there what is the longest that you've waited or the most effort that you've gone through for a single shot or a single, you know, sequence of shots?
1: Okay. Well, sometimes it's like you get the moment, but you want to perfect it. And so you end up coming back Mm. year after year after year after year. And I would say that I don't really, I can't really think of a time where it's like, you know, with Under Arctic Sky, it was kind of like, you know, we had an idea and it took us like 22 days in total to really see the full thing realized right you know and actually in order to get the one shot it was kind of like it took one night you know we just got we got lucky that one night it wasn't but that's the thing is like we didn't really have a shot in mind particularly Mm -hmm. you know we we didn't really know what we were doing we were just hoping that it would all come to life and we got what we got and it was amazing but it wasn't like this is the shot guys i'm gonna draw it out and map it out for you you know um Uh, so, I mean, I think even with the eclipse, it's like, you know, I thought about it, you know, six months ahead of time. I went there a month ahead of time to kind of plan it out. And then when the eclipse happened, we went there two days ahead of time to kind of scout it and set up the lines and all this stuff. So, and then when the shot kind of came about, I didn't even really know what the shot was. It was just like, I think this will be cool. You, you know how those things go. Yeah. It's
0: always hard. You yeah. Know. How do you, how do you know when, when you've got the shot? Is it something tangible that you can sense it's coming up or whether it's certain indicators that the moment is right or how do you know when the time is upon you for that moment
1: um i mean some i I guess it just depends on how much you're really planning it out you know that's the thing is that i don't think photography oftentimes the work that i do has this like i'm not necessarily like you know mapping the stars to align for this sort of thing and yeah um and a lot of times it's like you plan 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 and then when the moment comes you kind of forget all that planning and just allow whatever happens in the moment to happen um so you have kind of the unexpected but ultimately yeah like you can usually feel like okay like uh, you know when the camera's set up correctly and the athletes in tune with what you want to do or the the clouds are kind of materializing you know or whatever i think that um I think that when you're shooting just pure landscapes, there's such a there's such um, you don't have as high of a of a chance of failure. You know, when you when you're adding a person in there, or an athlete, or surfer, or a highliner or a climber, then you have a higher chance of failure. You know, right? Um, But it just kind of depends on it depends ultimately on like you know what your what your your hope is, what your goal is, right?
0: Right. I know as an interviewer, I've had recordings, full on interviews with people, and I'm thinking, you know, this is fantastic as this going along. And then the interview wraps up, and I look at my recorder, and I realize it was never recording in the first place. I'm sure this is really reassuring for you to That hear. is so heavy. No way. <laughs> when, uh, when's the worst time in your case, when you've had batteries die on you, or files corrupt, or a roll of oh film, you lose it that's or happened, gets destroyed? That's
1: happened so many times. <laughs> I, had, I had about $30,000 worth of gear get soaked in Chile oh. um, when a boat captain drove us into a wave. And it was the, one of the most heinous experiences of my life. I was super young, and, <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, beginning of my career. I thought my whole career was over. Right. I thought my whole entire career was over because that was everything I had, everything I owned at that time. Was
0: was it insured, um, or, or was there? It
1: wasn't. It was yeah. insured, and I was able to collect on that insurance, but I didn't quite. You know, it's like you know, you know, always question it. You know, you don't quite sure. understand or know
0: right.
1: if that um if it's all going to work out, and you know, if you're going to be struggling. So luckily but the thing is after that experience I wasn't insurable for years. <laughs> oh. Oh.
0: Um,
1: so that was stressful, you know, it was a really gnarly and stressful thing and yeah. um I I you know, I was really lucky to uh to be able to kind of get through that, you know.
0: Yeah. So what were you there for in the first place? What was the plan and uh and how did that plan change?
1: Uh the plan well, I mean, the plan was to go out and shoot this outer reef, right? Okay. Um, in the really far south of Chile and we got out there and the waves were incredible and the, it was offshore And it was everything we kind of dreamed about uh-huh. and ultimately Yeah, like halfway through the session the boat captain who was drunk from the night before was kind of dozing off at the wheel the small panga boat and uh, and and he kind of you know He had had to turn kept keep the boat kind of turned in a certain direction so that if and or when a big wave came we could get out of the situation quickly but right. that didn't happen, and basically the wave just launched over the bow, and I was sitting there with all my gear. Just, oh. I was like pouring salt water out of my camera. So, as you can imagine, that's exactly how the moment didn't come to life.
0: Right. Oh man. Yeah. Let's say you've got a plane ticket anywhere in the world. Where are you going to go next, and why?
1: Um, I would probably go back to Iceland. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends there. That i really have I've learned to love and care about and there's just projects that i'm that i'm kind of still working on i've been working on for maybe like six seven years there that i i just get eager to come back and and work on and conservation groups and things of that nature and so it's funny because it's such a it's a place that um is so overpopulated nowadays with tourists but mm-hmm. i find that if you're creative you can always find some sense of remoteness there and it's just draw me back over and over and over and i really I really have a lot of passion for that place. Yeah, or Alaska, for sure, Alaska. Yeah,
0: yeah. What, uh, what have you learned from, from seeing the world? The things that you've, you know, the people that you've met, the places that you've been able to go, what has that shown you about the world that we live in? Huh, it's
1: kind of a big, broad life question. <laughs> um, I guess the one thing I've realized is that um, in order for you to make someone care about anything... You have to give them the opportunity to experience it you know as much as people we want to you know talk and gripe and moan about you know glaciers thinning out and stuff you're never gonna change people's perspective in rural africa or china if if you just if, if they never have the ability to experience something you know that's one of the hardest things that we what we do is we we protect and preserve what we care about and so how do you make them care about that stuff well i hope that I hope that photography in many ways can be a tool to allow people to experience something and, and even more so, not just photography, but actually having them go in some capacity and actually getting them closer to that experience. And um, and that's a really challenging thing. I don't think that it's always going to be super straightforward. I don't think it's always going to be easy. And in fact, I don't think it's always going to work. But I think that for me, I want, you know, I, I've realized this from people and from traveling and, and just from being out in the world is like, I can have the most incredible, humbling, life-changing experience. And I could feel like a different person and go back and want to share that with the world. But if, if they never have that too, then it's not necessarily going to set in. So how do we get closer to allowing others to experience those things? Right. And um, I guess that's what I've always wanted to do is I've wanted to make these places feel accessible and approachable and not, you know because i know that it was it's hard to get there and it's hard to make a career that allows me to go to those places um i know because you know it life was not always the easy path you know for me to to do those things so mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah i just i guess that's
0: the thing i've learned the most yeah you know there's a a bit of a paradox there where you photograph a place and share it with the world And then that leads to more and more people naturally wanting to go to that place. And then that place maybe changes in time by more and more people going there and and no longer being that remote spot or that secret spot or whatever it was. Has your attitude toward that changed in time or or what is your attitude in general towards that?
1: You know, there's always the conversation of are we loving these places to death? And I absolutely go back and forth with that. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a challenging one i mean i'm sure you feel the same way you know like you you love these places you want to share them you want everyone to experience them but then you go there and it's crowded and you're grumpy well it's kind of hard because it's like why did we pick up a camera in the first place Mm. to create passion in ourselves and others you know and at the same time that we want to complain about these parks being busy or this place being that we also want to protect these places and the best way to protect them is to get people to experience them I think in many ways, you know, you're seeing the byproduct of places where, you know, they aren't being protected anymore because nobody knew and nobody raised their voice about them. So Mm -hmm. it's a hard, it's a hard thing. I see both sides and I I struggle with both. I feel like when it comes to places that are highly visited and highly touristed and it's obvious where it is, I I tend to, you know, share where those locations are, but when it's somewhere special that you know, I don't ever aim to keep anywhere a secret, but I also want people to have the joy of finding it themselves. Mm. That's what makes it so fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. I want to finish off with just a few quotes. One of these being sometimes the greatest risk is not to follow your passion. Can you tell me about that?
1: Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the context. Sorry. Again, I'm like, (laughs) Huh, when, when did I say that? And why, um, you know, there's this idea like you know you have a really solid job and you know you're you're i I get this question a lot from people you know so it's like i've got a really solid job and i'm doing good and but i'm I'm just not happy and i'm not doing this and i'm fearful to leave this job and i want to go pursue this thing but i don't know if it'll do the right you know thing for me so and, and but there's like but there's this opportunity and i can take the opportunity and i don't i just don't know whether to do it and it's it's so it's so challenging because i i hear people in this situation and I know that situation because I've been in that situation and I feel like in many ways if you have an opportunity and you don't take it the then the feeling inside the nagging the of uh, the the wonder of what it would have been what it could have been will always eat away at you and that feeling to me is there's nothing worse in the world there's no worse feeling in the world than wondering what it could have been. And so I think that like, that is the key thing is like, be willing to take risks, even if you fail, because you'll learn something about yourself and your life. I mean, what a better feeling to know that the job that you had, or you the job that you, you know, is the absolute right best path for you. And you can just put your head down and make that work. You know, Mm. I feel like so often, you know, what we don't hear about is like, people are like, oh, I left my job and I couldn't get it back. I mean, yeah, that happens, but it's pretty rare. It's more like, yeah, this opportunity came and I never took it and now it's never not there anymore. Mm. That's usually what happens and that's the reality.
0: Right. All right. One last quote for you. We'll see if uh, you can remember this one as well. Uh, Often the greatest journeys you ever take will be the internal ones. Uh, How has that played out in your life?
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's, that's one of my absolute favorites, actually. I think that, um, we often, uh, we often think that we're going to travel the world and the world's going to change us somehow just by simply buying a plane ticket, right? It's absolutely the furthest thing from the truth ever, right? I think that the key thing is that when you realize that you go somewhere and the culture and the people and the photographs and the stories, all that stuff has the ability to change who you are. But if you compromise the process of just going there Simply by trying to rush through it or trying not to embrace certain things, certain aspects of being on the road, you're going to miss the whole entire experience. I mean, literally, like, the way in which you, tr- the way in which you become a different person, is, it happens before you leave your front door. Mm-hmm. It's the planning process. It's the understanding that you that you gain from just, like, looking it up and researching, preparing yourself mentally and physically and spiritually for a place. Like, this is where the growth comes. And that's why I've always said, like, the greatest journey you ever take is the internal one. I have family members that have never left the country and they have certainly learned to be more tolerant of people and patient and loving than I will ever be. And so therein lies the great issue is like, does traveling the world actually make you a better person? I I really highly doubt it, Hmm. you know?
0: Any final words from you, Chris? Yeah, I would say... um,
1: I would say, uh, shoot, I think the, one of the best things that we can all do is just to learn how to tell better stories. And one of the, the things that I, the, one of the pieces of advice that I was given that really stuck with me is to just stop describing to people what they can already see, hmm. you know. When you see a picture, when you see an image, don't try to tell them what's already going on because they can see that with their own eyes. Try to tell them the emotion behind it. Try to tell them the feeling behind it. Try to tell them what it, what it felt like to be there and, and what, the, what the world felt like from your perspective as the photographer because you shot the photograph. So who better to tell me a personal anecdote um, than you? And if we just kind of feel other people's quotes, and we tell, tell, we tell ourselves the, the mountains are calling and we must go, Right. Like that's, that does ourselves a huge disservice. Mm. So,
0: Chris, thanks a lot. It's been fun.
1: Good, Martin. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it.
0: That's it for the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you liked it. If you enjoyed the show, you can do me a favor. Hit subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and above all, tell someone else you think might enjoy the show. If you want to stay in touch a few ways you can, you can send me an email at storyuntoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow along on Facebook at facebook.com slash storyuntoldpodcast. And you can also follow me on Twitter at martin underscore bauman. Theme music for the show is by Dr. Turtle off the album You Um, I'll Ah. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman, and this was A Story Untold. See you next time.